Relying on someone who doesn't know you or your situation to give you specific financial advice is just plain dumb. That's why everything said on this show is just helpful information. If you want specifics, give us a call. All opinions expressed here are ours. GenWealth Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor with securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIPC. On today's show, tackling the rules of thumb. You've probably heard some of them. Easy formulas to apply to your finances. But are they good rules of thumb or simply rules of dumb? We'll explore a few of them along with some other financial myths Straight ahead on the Get Ready for the Future show. This is the Get Ready for the Future show. Good Saturday morning, and thank you for joining us once again all across the state of Arkansas. It's good to have you along for another edition of the Get Ready for the Future show. My name is Scott Inman, and the gang is all here. The Genwell team has assembled. John Shrewsbury has returned from his one-week hiatus. His voice is much better than it was this time a week ago. Yes, yes, much better. Yes, that sounds much better. I, I have to I have to just pause the show for just a moment okay. and congratulate Janet on winning the Chamber of Commerce Lady of the Year Award in the city of El Dorado. Wow. I didn't, she did didn't know that. see that come. Oh, she you didn't, didn't know that You either? didn't know that, and she didn't know that. Okay. but I'm uh, scared of where this is going. <laughs> but apparently, she has elevated El Dorado's status worldwide by saying that I, who is a, a, who is a native oh, of El Dorado, yes, yes, is yes, a city yes. slicker. Yes. Not just a city boy, but a yes. city slicker. Yes. Well, I kind of figured it went with oil. You know, oil slicks, city slicker. You yeah. Know, it, yeah. It, it, it worked. See, it worked. See, no. Got high rises, I, and you know, I'm you're concrete. Yeah. I'm, Dude, I, if you were from where I'm from, you'd understand. Yeah. <laughs> yes, the official moron on the show here that's right, that's says right. that I I'm am proud a city of slicker. It. That's so right. There we are. I just had to get that in right off the bat. Go right ahead, Scott. Yeah, the population of about 2,000 is a city, right? That's a, That makes you a city hey, slicker, right? Where I'm from, yeah. if you counted the mosquitoes, it was a population of 300. There was no traffic light, and I lived outside the city limits. Yeah. So, yeah, he's a city slicker. Yeah. Well, I'm sure the city of El Dorado is just glowing in their new metropolis status because I am a city slicker. In Holy case, cow. In case you're listening and have no idea what they're talking about, that's last week's show, right? So look it up on uh, iTunes. It's on the Fastest Four. Or, oh, it's on the Fastest well, Four she on, talks it's about. It's on the show, it. too. Okay. I'm oh, sure it was an hour-long okay. adventure. I mean, that's yeah, it what was. it was. We're, we were talking about some uh, lessons, some financial lessons attained down on the farm and, and john was not with us so we took the opportunity to uh bash use me. that bash to our me. advantage yeah. Yes. Yes. good morning janet i haven't even introduced you good morning janet's on the show came to stanley to my left we haven't had a chance to even good let you morning. talk yet yeah here i am we are gonna pull it back on the track now and get going with today's show talking about rules of thumb now you've probably heard that in a lot of uh, discussions maybe not always financially related we can always count on Scott Inman, the news research dude, to come up with <laughs> where this whole idea of a rule of thumb came from. What's the story behind the story, Scott? It, it just got my curiosity right before we started the recording today, in fact. So I, I wanted to look at it and say, okay, the rules of thumb. I, I have no idea where did that come from. What? Why rule of thumb? Why use thumb there? So we looked it up. The origin... Is a bit disputed, right? They don't really know exactly where it came from, but the term rules of thumb or rule of thumb is kind of folk etymology. Holds that the phrase, this is from uh, Wikipedia, by the, way, by the way, holds that the phrase derives from the maximum width of a stick allowed for wife beating under English law. Yeah, this belief may have originated in a rumored statement by the 18th century judge, Sir Francis Buller, that a man may beat his wife with a stick no wider than his thumb. I'm sorry I giggled at that because that's may, ridiculous. May well, I just I, say God bless him oh if he does. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what century was that again? 18th? I really hate it that we're not on video today because Candace. Candace, yes, Candace's facial reaction when you said that was priceless. It was just priceless. My husband and I have a, a, a couple that they're friends of ours, and, and we remember this. This happened like 25 years ago. They were talking about somebody beating his wife, and the guy in this couple looked at his wife and looked at us, and he said, you know, I mean, technically, I could probably win it. 
But it wouldn't be worth it. I'd regret it. You, know? you better have a stick wider than your thumb. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So obviously that uh, phrase has been used to um, associate with things much less violent and much less stupid over the years. Well, maybe not, though. Well, I, I was going to say that... Not the, less violent. I don't know about less stupid. Yeah, that rule of thumb is about as dumb as the rules of thumb that we're going to talk about today, which are maxims that have surfaced, I think, in, in pop culture to try to essentially dumb down finance and to make it where people, quote unquote, can understand it. But yeah. they've done so to the point of really ruining the, the whole idea of of understanding the thought behind what they're trying to communicate. Well, I think it plays into, and we're going to get into this a little bit later in the show, but about this, the DIY uh, concept, you know, do it yourself is taken over or took over for a long time. And that applied to your finances. If you just follow a few simple rules, you'll be okay. You don't need any help. You don't need any advice. Here are a few of the mathematical rules of thumb we're going to talk about today. You may have heard them. The rule of 72, the rule of 100, and the multiply by 25 rule, and the 4% rule. So you're going to have to probably do a little math, or we'll do it for you in today's show. We're going to tackle those, and then later in the show, a few financial myths that are out there too. So are these rules nonsense? Do they have any merit in investing or retirement planning? And if you don't adhere to these rules, does it mean that you'll run out of money in retirement? Well, let's jump in. All right, so we're going to start with the multiply by 25 rule. So as an individual investor, I think we all ask ourselves how much we need to retire, right? And, and that we've talked about on the show sometimes is one of the number one questions, John, that our clients ask, our prospective clients when they're meeting with us the first time is, is how much do I need to retire? And that's the first question before we've had any other conversation as if it is a magic number that we just pull out of a hat. Yeah, I, and I think this rule really does have a, a basis of, of really trying to do good and trying to help people to understand, okay, just how much money do I need to amass by the time that I, I retire? And Janet, as we are fond of, of communicating here at GenWealth, it's really not about assets, it's about income, right. but they're, the income is based on something. And so they're trying to get to a level of, of assets that is able to generate income. But what this does is it doesn't take into account any sources of income that you already have, That's like right. Social Security, pensions, pensions, other guaranteed income sources. You know, I, there is not a week that goes by when the Gen Wealth team doesn't have the following conversation multiple times, and that is, how much income are you guys going to need when you retire? How much do you need to have you know, month in, month out to just meet your required got-to-have-it expenses? And the response from the other side is, yeah, it sounds just like that. <laughs> Silence. Yeah. They don't know. You know, they look at each other and go, I don't know, honey, what do you think? I don't know, honey, what do you think? You do the numbers. I don't, you know, they've never really thought about it in terms of monthly cash flow because our society in so many different ways, we've trained ourselves to look at the overall balance. It's not about the overall balance. It's about your cash flow. And if you don't have pensions, you need a larger balance. If you do, you don't need as much. Well, and let's take this rule. So if you need $40,000 to live on each year, if you multiply that by 25 years, 40,000 times 25 is a million dollars. Well, that all works until it doesn't. What yeah. if you live 27 years? What if you live 28 years? Or what I, if you have a 2008 and your million dollars goes down to 600000 because of the the performance in the market that year? Then this 4% rule, you know, at that point, 4% is now 24000 instead of 40000 Are you going to take less money? No. It, it throw the yeah. rule out. Yeah. It, you know? There, there are cookie cutter things that, that people have come up with in some of these rules are just that. They're cookie cutter things. And I think, Scott, probably you would agree that that anything that is cookie cutter is not going to work in every situation. It's not going to work in a lot of situations. Some of them, it will. You know, if you live a, a shorter life expectancy than 20 years, maybe the rule of 25 works. Maybe it doesn't. Just getting started on the Get Ready for the Future show on the rules of thumb. Are they rules of dumb? More coming up. Stick around. More straight talk about retirement, investments, and your money right after this.
Life can be so busy, it's hard to even picture retirement. That's why you need somebody you can trust who will paint that picture and help turn dreams into reality. Plan, personalize, and protect your future with the team at GenWealth. Call 877-341-7355 to schedule an appointment. Now, back to the Get Ready for the Future show. Investments and economics move at the speed of light. And we've got the latest information you need to know to stay ahead of the game. From GenWealth Financial Advisors, it's the fastest four minutes in investing. And we welcome you in to our viewers on social media and to our listeners on the Get Ready for the Future show. Welcome into another fastest four minutes in investing. So let's get right to it. John, the S&P 500 off to its best start in 2019 since 1991. Now, you have to balance that with the way we ended 2018 yep. and know that we've bounced about 18% off the Christmas Eve lows. Yes, and and year to date, uh, as we are recording this show midweek of this week, we are up about a little over 10%, almost 11% on the S&P 500. Uh, and, and that is what Brian Dietrich calls the easy 10. We yeah. got the easy 10 out of the way. The next 10 yeah. is going to be way more difficult. And Scott, I had an opportunity to spend a good bit of time on a recent trip to San Diego with John Lynch, who is the chief investment strategist with LPL, sort of the counterpart to Ryan Dietrich, who's the chief market strategist. And and John really is expecting 3,000 on the S&P 500. As we sit here today, we're at about 2775 on the S&P 500. That would represent about an 8% increase by the end of the year. But John says that 8% is going to be a little more uh, rough sledding than we've had uh, year to date so far. Yeah, never never a smooth ride, especially as we look into some of the numbers that they are adjusting a little bit. And again, I think the common theme here is the bull market is still growing, but the growth rate may be slowing down. Where we are right now is that obviously we've had a really strong rally and we may be, uh, this is a technical term called overbought. Uh, we feel like that the market may be a little bit ahead of itself and we could see a bit of a pullback uh, in the not too distant future. That is a possibility based on where we are. But we do believe that the fundamentals are still in place. Now, LPL Research has adjusted their estimate for GDP growth for 2019. They were in a range of 2.5 to 2.75. They've settled at the bottom end of that range right at 2.5%. So the fundamentals still in, in place, Scott, but we got to be aware of that volatility. And I always think about that if you can keep your head when everybody else is losing theirs, that is usually a pretty good formula for investing in stocks. So let's talk a little bit about that emotional side of that, because there is this technical, there are a lot of technical uh, factors that you can look at when it when, in, when you talk about maybe prognosticating what the market's going to do, one of them is investor sentiment. And, and I think it's interesting that investor sentiment is still nowhere near where we would consider it to be overconfident. And we talk about the over-index a lot, that that's really a good indicator of when there may be a recession looming. And that's one of them, overconfidence, when everybody thinks everything's great. Yeah, and there's not a lot of overspending or a lot of uh, rising debt, if you will. Uh, there is not a lot of over inflation in terms of of wage inflation and things of that nature. So uh, borrowing, spending, those things are all factors in the over index, which is an, a uh, market barometer looking for a recession. It's on recession watch. So we still don't see a recession coming, but we are cautioning our clients to be cognizant of the coming volatility. Volatility will make you do things that you really should not do. It'll make you do the wrong thing at the wrong time for the wrong reason. Understand that the volatility is between you and that 8% gain that they're expecting on the S&P between now and the end of the year. If you want the gain, you're probably going to have to go through some of that volatility in order to get there. Got to ride the roller coaster to get off, right? To eventually be able to get to the end of the ride. So just a few things uh, we're looking at in the fastest four minutes in investing. We are out of time for this week's edition. Again, thank Thanks for watching on Facebook and social media and listening on the Get Ready for the Future show. And the broadcast continues on the other side of the break. Your retirement should be more, more than just investments, more about you and more Get Ready for the Future show. Stay tuned for more. 
This ain't your mama's financial advice. Turn it up because we're back with the Get Ready for the Future show. Welcome back into the Get Ready for the Future show. Hey, I want to tell you about our next Gen Wealth Academy workshop that is coming up just around the corner. In fact, it's on Thursday at 6.30. That's February 28th, 6.30 at Mike's Place Restaurant in Conway. We're talking about the three big risks. What are the three big risks, the biggest, we should say, because there are several risks to you as you enter into your retirement years. But the three big ones, really, uh, everything else hinges on that. And how should you approach those challenges, some possible strategies, possible solutions to take those three big risks on? So find out what they are and then the strategies that we employ here at GenWealth. That's coming up free to you, February 28th, 630 at Mike's Place. And I will say it's filling up fast. We use the uh, private uh, room there, or one of the private rooms. I think they have more than one. And maybe we can move if we have an overflow. But we, we're starting to get close to capacity there. So if you want to join us, make sure to get online today and uh, register by going to getreadyforthefuture.com forward slash events. You can also send us an email, info at getreadyforthefuture.com. Say, I want to be there, and we can get you signed up if that's easier for you. So also, while you're there on our website, you'll find all sorts of good resources and more about upcoming Gen Wealth Academy workshops. We've got a couple of Social Security ones coming up later in the spring. You can find out all about that at our website, getreadyforthefuture.com. Talking about rules of thumb, and are they rules of thumb or rather rules of dumb to apply to your finances? In the first segment, we talked about the multiply by 25 rule, this concept of if you're trying to figure out how much money do I need in retirement, if you just basically multiply that by the number of years you expect to live or multiply the uh, annual income by the number of years you expect to live, that gives you the number. Well, that doesn't talk anything about rate of return. It doesn't talk about how long you're going to live if you live past those 25 years. And that kind of feeds into the next rule of dumb, as we'll call it, and that's the 4% rule. And this is the reverse, guys, of the multiply by 25 rule. This is basically saying if you take your portfolio and invest it in a certain allocation, asset allocation mix between stocks and bonds, that you will outperform the 4% that you're taking out annually, right? So if over time, if that portfolio does 6% annually and you're pulling out 4% annually, well, you're never going to run out of money. Well, as John said in the first segment, applying to the multiply by 25 rule, that works until it doesn't. Yeah, we're not talking about geometry here. We're talking about math. Right. And, and if it were geometry and everything moved in a straight line, right. if you were working with straight lines, that would all work. Because 6% is greater than 4%. If you only take out 4 and you're getting 6 every year, sure, that works. The, the challenge is, I think Candace and I are still wrapping our heads around, it's not geometry, it's math. But yeah. I, just, I actually understand what Pretty he sure meant. geometry I thought he was falls under that under math that class. Broad category. Yeah. I thought yeah. he was talking about the pie of your portfolio. Portfolio with uh, angles in Maybe it. Maybe right? geometry and arithmetic. Here's, yeah. here's the deal. Just chalk it up to me being a city slicker. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, if you go back to your math class, one of them, uh, you'll remember all of those definitions about the average and the median and all mm-hmm. of that stuff. Okay. So average is what gets you on this mm-hmm. because people talk about, well, if I get a 6% rate of return and I'm only withdrawing four, okay, great. Well, find me something right now that's going to pay you a set fixed percent, six percent rate of return. There's there's not anything out there just paying a fixed. This is what it's going to pay, period, six percent. So they're working on averages. Well, if if we do this in uh, workshops, when Charlie Skinner and I are in the same location, you can put him standing beside me and and we, between the two of us, are not average height. I'm on the short side. He's on the tall side. I can reach my shoes easier. He can reach the light bulbs easier. Okay. But neither one of us is average. Well, the, the challenge in investing is if you're basing your math on this average of 6%, but you get a low return, perhaps even a negative return, and then you get some higher returns that actually give you that average, it is not the same math. Um, for example, I was talking about this with, with my son the other day about his grades. If you have, you know, one, one low grade and then one high grade, how does this work out? And we talked about that if, if you make a, let's say a 60% on something, well, you're down 40% from that hundred. Okay. Well, what if you make a hundred on the next one? Well, 
you average those two together, you're only back up to 80. You know, you, you have to make more than 100% to get back up in the 90% something range even. Same thing is true on your investments. If you're down in 2008, let's say you've got a million dollars and you're down 40% down to 600,000. Well, you've got to go up way more than 40%. To get back to a hundred, because if you go up, if you go up forty percent off of six hundred, that's two hundred forty thousand. You're just back to eight hundred forty. Mm-hmm. You started at a, at a million, so averages, it's a problem. Yeah, and the negative returns can impact your your assets and could push them into depletion faster. Yes. But the other side of that is, is aren't we looking for a consistent income in retirement? Yes. And that's the other part of that 4% rule I think we, we don't often think about is, is if you've lost money and year two comes around, are you going to continue to take 4% of your total account value? Because now that's going to be a pay cut. Yeah. So if, so 4%, if we're working off of a million for easy math, so that's $40,000 a year. You have mm-hmm. a 2008, you're down to 600000 So now do you continue to take $40,000, which by the way now is 6.7%, right. which is too much of a, of a withdrawal rate? Or do you take 4%, which is now 24000 and take a significant pay cut? You've got to have a different plan. Yeah. I told you we we're going to need a calculator today. I almost need one. <laughs> and, we're, and we're running it here. So the multiply by 25 rule and the 4% rule, both of those kind of rules of dumb when it comes to creating an income plan in retirement. So let's tackle another one. And this we have a different perspective on, John. The rule of 72, this is basically a simplified way to figure out how long it would take for your money or your investments to double. The rule of 72 is locked in fact, right? It's mathematical formula, but the way it's applied sometimes makes it a rule of dumb. Yeah, the rule of 72 essentially says money will double if you take the number 72 and you divide it into the interest rate that you're earning on that money. So if you are talking about earning a 7.2% interest rate on something, it'll take 10 years for that money to double. And that is an absolute mathematical fact. Here's where it breaks down in terms of application. Candace, a lot of times people that are saving money in their 401k plan can come into us and say, you know, I just don't know that this works because I've put $12,000 in my 401k over the last X number of years and it hasn't doubled and this rule of 72 doesn't work. And I say, well, wait a minute. Did you put all of that $12,000 in day one that you started this 401k? And they go, well, no, of course not. I've I've put it in incrementally. And I said, well, so you haven't had $12,000 invested all that period of time. You've only had your first contribution. You can only get compound interest on an investment if you have the investment. That's right. If the money's not in there, you're not getting it compounded. So what the rule of 72 is attempts to do is to say, if you had, let's say, $10,000 invested at 7.2%, That $10,000 will grow to $20,000 if you have a 7.2 rate of return over that 10 year period of time. And it will double. It will, that is a mathematical fact, but you cannot expect money to double if it's not in the equation. And so that's where this breaks down, Scott, is in the area of application, not necessarily that the rule doesn't work. It is the, how we try to apply that rule that messes people up. All right, so our next one is the rule of 100. We've got a lot of rules with numbers on them, right? The the rule of 100 basically speaks to uh, asset allocation. You know, we talked about that uh, 4% withdrawal rule, and oftentimes that's based on a 60%, uh, 40% allocation mix, asset allocation mix. And what we mean by that is 60% of your investments would be in stocks or equity-based investments, and the 40% would be in fixed income, most likely bond investments. And it would rock along there when we were talking about the 4% rule and outpace what you're taking out. But the rule of 100 basically speaks to the amount of stocks a person should have based on their age. And this one, I think, is is pretty common when you look at the, the target date portfolios yes. that are out there in the 401k plans. Target date portfolios are based on this this rule of 100 to some degree. And, yeah. uh, and if you stop and think about it, somebody that is 70 years old would only have 30% of their money 
in equities. And Candace, we have clients that would absolutely flip if they only had 30% of their money in equities. Yeah, I don't think they're taking into account, you know, like we talked about before, withdrawal rate and um, not running out of money. You do need to have some growth in your portfolio so that you don't run out of money. But that doesn't necessarily mean it needs to follow a certain percentage based on your age. That's definitely a rule of dumb. Well, and I've got to say, of all the rules of dumb that we're talking about, at this point in time, this is the dumbest rule of Mm -hmm. dumb there is. Mm -hmm. Because we are not at the same point in time as we were back in 1980. And I know everybody's like, well, that's genius. Obviously, it's a different point in time. Well, let's let your investments reflect that different point in time because the deal is, we've talked about this a lot on the radio, but but we're going to keep preaching the sermon till everybody hears it because interest rates are at a different point than they were then. Interest rates, at that point, you could go easily to the bank and get a, 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 a CD paying double-digit interest rates, okay? So, at that point, interest rates were high, bond prices were low. They sit on opposite ends of the seesaw. So, interest rates have gone down, bond prices have gone up. So, now, bond prices have been high in recent years, but which direction is the seesaw going now? It's going the other direction. As interest rates rise, bond prices will fall. So for basically 40 years, we've seen bond prices rise, and so this this rule of thumb during that period of time might have made sense for a lot of people. At this point, it is an incredibly dumb rule because you're exposing yourself to an absolute danger not just a risk, a possibility, but an absolute danger. Yeah. Those bond prices will decrease, period. And it, it also belies any kind of uh, planning in terms of the next generation or right. how that money needs to be used beyond just you. Maybe you are investing to some degree for children or grandchildren or something right. of that nature. And so that rule of, of 100 would not take that into account. And so again, Scott, we have gone in and, and slayed a myth here and proven this rule of thumb to be a rule of dumb. So we've talked about some of these rules of dumb. We're in the in the following segment after the break. We're going to have to take a break in just a few seconds. We're going to talk about a few more financial planning myths as well that are out there that you may have heard. So Debunking a few of those on the Get Ready for the Future show. Stay with us. We're back right after this. Monday warrior, mean, mean stride. Today's Tom Sawyer, mean, mean pride. Join us for one of our live events in your area. Go to GetReadyForTheFuture.com slash events for a calendar. More of the Get Ready for the Future show after this. Tired of the commercials? We are too. Now back to the Get Ready for the Future show. Talking about rules of thumb and and debunking a few financial planning myths in today's Get Ready for the Future show. You know, you may have heard some of those rules of thumb. Maybe you've even applied them. And we've kind of talked about how they're really rules of dumb. We mentioned the multiply by 25 rule, the 4% rule, the rule of 100, the rule of 72 based in mathematical fact, but can sometimes be misapplied to a person's uh, financial accumulation. Before we dive into the financial planning myth side of this, I want to kind of put a bow around our discussion about those rules attached to those numbers. All of them, let's say that you've applied some of them and and maybe let's give them the benefit of the doubt that they may actually be working for a short period of time. They still do not address the big elephant in the room and that's where do you get your income from while that portfolio is rocking along with that rule of thumb? Do you take it from all of the fixed income side? Do you take it from all of the equity side? Do you make it a combination of both? And better yet, are financial advisors advising on that? Do they have an income plan built for that? You know, I think about the story that I've shared on the show before, guys, about the clients who came to me with another firm. They had their money with another firm and it came time for a withdrawal. So let's take how their assets were allocated off the table and just talk about you need to take some money out of your account and the advisor called them and asked them where they would like to take it from. I know we've heard that story before, but it still shocks me every time. Me too. I, I, well, I'm thinking about if if I were to go into a doctor and and we know I have this medical need and the doctor looks at me and says, what treatment yeah, would you like? Exactly. Yeah. You know, well, and, yeah. and doesn't even give me options. It's just... What treatment would you like to do? And well, this, you're the doctor, dude. This yeah. is one of the big debates in our industry right now about 
you know, what we are, our titles are. We, we are Gen Wealth Financial Advisors because we give financial advice. But in this particular case, that guy needs to not call himself a financial advisor. He needs to call himself an order taker. Yeah. Because that's what he was asking was, mm-hmm. what orders do you have for me for your money? I'm not going to give you any advice. I'm just going to execute whatever you tell me to. You know what that's about? It's about avoiding any liability on his behalf. Sure. It's, it's, it's avoiding any ownership of responsibility. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've talked a lot on here in the past few years about the fiduciary rule and, and all the, all the iterations of what it looked like and, and what it was supposed to look like and what it might be in the future, et cetera. A fiduciary is a person who recommends what they believe to be in your best interest. At GenWealth, we are fiduciaries. And so we are going to not step aside from that responsibility. We are going to own that because it is our job to make a recommendation to you that we believe to be in your best interest. And we can back it up with the logic that we will happily share with you. And let's let's kind of expand on what Janet is saying here for just a few moments. You know, there's a lot of ways that that financial transactions are are actually consummated. Uh, one would be in this situation where the client has the responsibility of saying, oh, I want to do it this way. Mm-hmm. Well, that is the blind leading the blind in, right. in that particular case, because in a dynamic income type situation, I'm not sure most of us that are not in our industry are trained to know where to take that income from. That's number one. Secondly, there can be a recommendation that can be made from the financial advisor. And I think that 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 when you look at at this, that is the GenWealth difference. That's what we do. Here at GenWealth, we base things on research, math, and science. We don't base it on feelings. We don't base it on a notion. We don't base it on a rule of thumb. We are education-driven, strategy-based, and team-delivered. All of those three things that we talk about all the time on the radio are a are part of the DNA of our company. Uh, we want to educate you and help you to understand what's going on, why it's happening, and that type of thing. But also, we want to have a strategy behind our recommendations. So, Scott, when we talk about where somebody should withdraw their income, you know, mm-hmm. is it from the 60? Is it the 40? Are we even using a 60-40? Probably not, by the way. Mm-hmm. But anyway, when we talk about that, when we go through this with our clients, it's going to be strategy based Mm -hmm. first and then we're going to take the time to educate you on that strategy because we're also education driven so we want you to understand the logic behind what we're doing i don't know how many times in a week i put something up on a whiteboard and i'll look at a couple and say does that make sense yep you know i mean that's what we're doing and if it doesn't then we're going to go back to the whiteboard and and do it again sometimes i don't really believe them when they say yes (laughs) are you sure let's go back through that you comfortable with this yeah but it is is our process. It's the Gen Wealth Ready to Retire process. That strategy is developed after talking to you and developing your written plan. So, do you have a process or do you just have a product? You know, I think that John, to your point too, that not only are or many advisors not trained in how to develop the income plan. I think the other problem is too, they are always centered on investments. They spend their entire day, their entire career thinking, Candace, about investments and not really about planning. Yeah, I met with a client a couple of weeks ago when we were going through. She actually met with a couple of other advisors. And when she sat down and met with us, you know, I noticed where there were going to be gaps in her income over time. And she said, why are you focused so much on this income? This is definitely different than what I've been experiencing and what I've talked with with these other two advisors. It's like, yeah, that's that's what this is about, though. This is about making sure that you're made whole in your income. So along with the rules of thumb, there are some common myths about financial planning. So we're kind of making that transition into financial planning and the importance of that. One myth you may have heard is that affluent people don't need plans. Many high worth uh, individuals or, or couples think that as long as there's money in the bank, they don't need to bother themselves with financial planning or, or maybe they don't worry about uh, running out of money in retirement. But I, now I, I don't know if how widespread this myth is, but John, from 
from my experience and, and sitting in client meetings with some pretty affluent people, I don't know that I've really experienced that. I think affluent people do worry about running out of yeah, money. Yeah, they yeah, do. They, yeah, they, they're actually more concerned about running out of money than, than folks that don't have it. If they don't have it, they don't have it. And they're, you know, you can't run out of what you don't have. I can't be already, yeah, I can't be any more broke than I already am. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that, that myth kind of harkens back to, uh, the, the coworker in my radio days that was on the phone with his, his newly wed wife and, and he exclaimed to her in front of me, look, just because there's checks in the book doesn't mean there's money in the bank. <laughs> and, and you got to think, okay, what what is the point of financial planning? The point of financial planning is utilizing your assets to their highest and best level. Mm-hmm. It is achieving the goals that you are wanting to achieve. If you don't plan, then whatever is going to happen is just going to happen And you you may be fatalistic and think, well, that's just the way it is, but that doesn't have to be that way. We have seen time after time after time, Janet, that plans make a huge difference in folks' lives. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right. So let's continue talking about plans, though, on on this myth list. So another one is financial planners only help with investing. We've already talked about that, I mean, to some degree. But I'll tell you, you know, the way I describe that, too, when it comes to the investment talk is we have a tool chest behind us, right? And it is filled with every investment available in the investment universe. But the last thing that we're going to do when we have a conversation with a client is pull out a wrench if they need a hammer. It all hinges on developing the plan first and then finding the investments to fit the plan. But I don't think, as we've already talked about, guys, many financial advisors ever get to that point in the discussion. It is all about the investment first or positioning themselves, quite frankly, as an investment guru. Well, here's the interesting thing about this. The thing that an advisor or a client has the absolute least control of, which is the investment results, is seemingly the thing that takes up the most time Time. in a conversation. Mm -hmm. Yep. But when you really take a look at all of the issues, there is a consultant in our industry that says that there are 88 things that a financial advisor can help a client with other than investments. Wow. 88 different things. But investments, because there is a analytical number that can be attached to performance and that number changes on maybe a day-to-day or week-to-week basis – uh, then we we get obsessed with that number and think somehow that we have control over that. I will tell everybody that's listening to this show, no one on this team has any major league control over how the markets work. What we do have control of is how we utilize the markets to make your plan work. So let's separate investing from overall financial planning. Obviously, planning for what type of investments, what specific investments you need, that is part of it. But as we've talked about today, a lot of it is focused on what income do you need to have? What are those resources going to be? But here's another one we haven't even talked about that we address at GenWealth, and that is to help you think about, all right, what happens when something happens? happens to one or both of us as a couple. And many times there's not been anybody go through beneficiary information with you before. We review that on an ongoing basis that needs to be part of updating your financial plan because things change. I don't know how many times we've seen minor children listed on beneficiary lines without the realization of what that would mean, that it would have to go through probate, those types of things. Also, obviously we're not estate planning attorneys, but we can help you understand that you might have a need to meet with one. You know, after you meet with an attorney, it's up to you to decide whether you need a will, a power of attorney, a living will, and a trust. But a lot of people think that, hey, I've got a will. We're not going to have to go through probate. It'll all be fine. Uh, that's not how it works in the state of Arkansas. And so we help you understand those things on just a, a basic level, and then you can go and handle that with an estate planning attorney if you need to. But to realize there are so many conversations to be had that, again, are very education-driven, things that nobody ever taught you before and you really need to understand. It may be worth, too, pointing out as one final thought on this, too. Not only should you steer away from just thinking about the investment first before you have the plan. But there are also a lot of folks out there who are product driven in terms of what they're going to sell you. It may not even be that they have access 
to all that is out there. They may be a so-called one-trick pony, and that's right. what they're going to give everybody. Yeah, to a carpenter, everything looks like it needs hammering because what he's got is a hammer in his uh, in his toolbox right. or in his tool chest, and uh, you know everything looks like a nail. But there are one-trick ponies in the financial industry. Mm-hmm. You've got to be sure that you are with number one, a fiduciary advisor. Number two, someone that has the wherewithal to really look at your plan and say, okay, what is needed to actually make this work? So debunking those myths in this segment, affluent people don't need plans and financial planners only help with investing. We have about three more on the other side of the break that we're going to debunk. So stay with us as we talk about rules of dumb and financial myths on the Get Ready for the Future show. Have a financial question? Want answers? Email info at getreadyforthefuture.com with your name, your location, and your question. And we'll answer your question on the air. You've got questions? We've got answers. Email info at getreadyforthefuture.com with your name, location, and question to get a response on the air from the GenWealth team. Now, back to the Get Ready for the Future show. You're closing in on retirement, and and by that, we mean anywhere from five to ten years away, and you're moving in from that accumulation phase where you've been building wealth all of your life, and now you're concerned more with how are you going to distribute that to yourself as income and not run out of money before you run out of time. We would suggest to you to go through the Gen Wealth Ready to Retire process. And step one of that is simply a phone call or an email. You heard the announcer there just say you could email us info at getreadyforthefuture.com and ask about a first appointment with a Gen Wealth advisor. You can also call us 501 653 7355. Again, the number is 501 653 7355. And that number will get you in touch with uh, an advisor near you. That's actually our Bryant office number, but we're all interconnected with offices all over the state West Little Rock, Hot Springs, El Dorado, also Bryant, and Northwest Louisiana. So there's an advisor near you if you're hearing my voice today. And we'd be happy to take step one on the Gen Wealth Ready to Retire process. It is complimentary, that first appointment. It takes about two hours of your time. We'll ask you to bring some items in financially related, but really we're going to spend most of that time talking about you and talking about what your needs, desires, and goals are in retirement. Because I think as we've highlighted in this show today, guys, that we can't apply numbers. We do apply numbers, but we can't just apply a number, a rule of uh, dumb to your personal, unique situation. Every plan we build here at GenWealth is different. Not one that I've done is the same as one we did the day before. So it's all about you and getting to know you and then seeing how we can help moving you through the GenWealth Ready to Retire process. So as we debunk some rules of dumb today and finish up with a few financial planning myths, our next one on the list is people don't really need a financial planner. I hope that if you listen to the last segment, you already think that's a myth. But there is this, we mentioned DIY, the do-it-yourself movement. I mean, that that goes past home improvement. Now, we've got a lot of people who manage their own investments over time, and they are doing maybe a pretty good job, or at least they've looked at their returns lately and thought, hey, I'm doing a pretty good job. But that doesn't replace the need for a plan. And there are all sorts of behavioral and emotional uh, components to working with a financial advisor as well. Yeah. How many times do we have clients that have come and they've accumulated these assets over time and they may have just been managing them with a little bit of help from their 401k provider, but then say, you know, I've gotten it this far, but I don't know what to do from here and I need a professional to help me from here. Or what if you are the recipient? And this kind of goes back to affluent people don't need plans as well. What if you're the recipient of an inheritance? What do you do then? Mm -hmm. Because it's just out of the blue at that point. Absolutely. I want to circle back to the accumulators getting to the point where they're getting ready to withdraw income. We've used this analogy on the air several times, but I I think it bears repeating. We've talked about that, you know, accumulation is easy. If you just keep putting money in, it's going to grow over time in your 401k. Just give it time, let it do its thing. And we've had times when the market was negative and people would say, well, my 401k still grew. Well, yes, because you added money. You <laughs> know, right. It's right the additional that contributions yeah. that you've put in there. But here's the thing. 
if you if you've been accumulating all these years, it's like you've been playing football and now you're about to play basketball. Okay, so what is good in one sport is bad in the other. If you take the ball and carry it from one end to the other in football, this is good. If you take the ball and carry it from one end to the other in basketball, this is a problem, right? You you actually have to dribble some, okay? So you've you've got to understand that the rules of distribution and your investment needs as a result of needing to withdraw income are different. The rules of the game are completely different when you're withdrawing income. Janet, veteran listeners of the show will uh, clearly remember us talking about us building houses at, at relatively the same time. Yes. Uh, and we had the same builder. Yes. And I, I shudder to think all of the times that I thought that the builder was going to do this and I said, hey, why don't we do this? And he gave me very clear reasons yeah. why we didn't do the dumb thing that I was wanting him to do. You know, you know what? We really, I was really uh, pleased with our choice because he was very logical and would explain stuff to both of us. And we're both wired that way. It's what we do with our clients. And so when we're like, this is what I was expecting. Why aren't we doing that? Well, this is actually the way it works, you know, and, yeah. and to explain that to us. And I think that's what people need in their investments. Well, and I think when you when you're making the, the uh, analogy of building a house to building a retirement income plan, there are a lot of intricate things in a retirement income plan that just aren't there in, yeah. in an accumulation plan. As you said, accumulation is easy. Distribution is difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, accumulation just will happen if you just kind of do the right things. But in the distribution, phase, there are so many variables that you've got to look out for. And that's why we created the GenWealth Ready to Retire process. Ready to Retire is all about folks that are getting ready to step from work into retirement and they need their money to step from accumulation to distribution. And when you say getting ready, I do think it's important to highlight that it's not tomorrow. It's That's right. It's a five to ten year out a five to ten year out window that we're talking about. Because if you get inside of ten years, we know that you're going to need some of that money in less than ten years, right? And positioning those assets in a way that if the market doesn't give us what we hope that it will give us over the next ten years, you've got maybe some of that position in a different way. That is not to say that if you are getting close to retirement right now, it's too late for you. That's right. Certainly we've had good markets and, yeah. and you are at an opportune time to come in and actually plan. What you don't want is, let's say, two years from now, you haven't done any planning, and then all of a sudden, this this bull market, this expansion that we've been on since March of 2009 comes to an end, and you are dealt a serious yeah. blow to your portfolio that could delay or postpone your retirement. I mean, we've had people who have come in and said, hey, I just turned in my resignation, and I need to plan for my retirement, you know, and, and that kind of gives us a coronary, but, but it usually <laughs> works out okay but the the challenge is if you don't have things in order it, it's kind of late to to get them that way you know we can do the best we can with what you have but the sooner you can come in the better your odds are at having things in order when you're really ready to pull the trigger on retirement so let's talk about the next myth retirement planning isn't necessary until you're older and we've spent a lot of time talking about if you are older if you're in that retirement red zone it is imperative to build that plan it may not be as extensive when you're younger but certainly the earlier you start the better and we've just talked about how accumulation may be easy but it's harder when you don't really know where you're going well, and, and let's talk about the time value of money and the power of compound interest. We referred to compound interest using the rule of 72 earlier, but time is on your side. Uh, you know, we have a lot of young people that work at GenWealth, and yes. I am really, really excited about a program that we put together to really get them jump started as far as their own personal finances are concerned. And there are folks that are 21 years old that have money in their simple IRA yes. program, and they will be wealthy when they get older if they continue to stay with that and do that. Time is one of the most valuable assets that a young person has. The challenge is, is that they think they've got an endless amount of it, and they really don't. Yeah. Our final myth, we're running out of time here, so let's get to it. It's best not to have your money all in one location. Spread it across several firms. Now, we have seen a lot of people who have apparently adhered to either consciously or subconsciously that when they come in to see us because they may have 
eight different accounts with five different financial firms. And I don't know where this one generated. It had to be somewhere uh, with somebody as an investor who basically distrusted everybody around them because consolidation is very important. Well, it is it is incredibly important when you are doing planning because you are planning in the dark. If if an advisor is sitting down trying to plan for you and you don't really understand where the other assets are. I remember it's probably over a decade ago now. um, We had some new clients who came in and they told us about two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. That was all they told us about. We were under the impression that was all they had. We planned accordingly and so put everything together for them, uh, handled the investments and everything. And then they said, by the way, we like what we, what you've shown us and what we've implemented. There's another million dollars here. Now, do uh. you think that the plan might have been a little bit different? Yeah. You know, so so it's it's like going into your doctor and telling them about one thing you've got going on, but not the other stuff. Mm -hmm. We need to understand the whole picture. Let me uh, let me just be a little transparent here in terms of of what's going on at the Shrewsbury household in the evenings. Uh, if there's a, a medical drama on, we're probably watching it. I, I think <laughs> Grey's Anatomy or Chicago Med or whatever. And we're, one of these shows was on the other night, and uh, the doctor quipped to somebody. He said, the surest way to die is not tell the doctor everything that's going that's right. on. That's right. And and that, that couple that I'm talking about, they ultimately moved everything here because they figured out that everything that we do is strategy-based, that we're education-driven, that there was a distinction, and we could have unique portions of the plan for their different pieces of the pie, so to speak. It's not like all million and a quarter was all going to go into one investment. So it's still diversified, but it's one company doing the plan so that your plan is cohesive and works together. What truly debunks all these financial myths that we've been talking about on our show is the Gen Wealth Ready to Retire process. You share your financial needs and desires with us. We share our principles and strategies. And then your team of advisors, as you've heard us say, we are team delivered. Your team of advisors goes to work. We collaborate to help you harness the power of more. And then the relationship's not over then. We commonly get the question, okay, we built the plan, we put it in motion, when am I going to see you next? It is review time at least annually because we know the plans will change. That's the Gen Wealth Ready to Retire process. It doesn't end, but it starts with you setting up a first complimentary appointment. You can do that by calling 501-653-7355. Again, 501-653-7355 for an advisor near you. Don't forget about our Gen Wealth Academy workshop. Sign up online to join us in Conway on February 28th at 6.30 at Mike's Place. And we'll talk to you again next week for another edition of the Get Ready for the Future Show. The GenWealth Financial Team is available to you 24-7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 844-869-PLAN. The Get Ready for the Future show is a production of GenWealth Financial Advisors and opinions expressed are not those of this radio station and are for general information only. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment and no strategy can assure success. GenWealth Financial Advisors is an Arkansas registered investment advisor with securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIP. 